Good morning, TC. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Man, we are so excited to have you uh, at the uh, Legacy 17 series. And, and man, I, again, I'm Brad Livingston. I'm the executive pastor here at TC, if you're new. And man, we're just honored that you chose to be with us today. And we are excited to be in the third part of the Legacy 17 series. Hey, listen, me and my wife, do we do a game when we go out to eat a lot of times. How many of you guys have ever heard the game, uh, Would You Rather? Anybody ever heard of that game, Would You Rather? Would You Rather? Like, some of y'all are like, oh, I don't think so. Uh-uh, no. What are these games you young whippersnappers are playing? No, like, uh, <laughs> so it's a game called Would You Rather. And what it is, is you pick two things and you have a choice between two things. Would you rather this or would you rather that? And you have to pick one. And so we say, would you rather? And so we play it a lot. And so the, like, the game, for example, is like, would you rather eat Snickers bars for the rest of your life or Milky Ways for the rest of your life? You know what I'm saying? And um, that'll, it'll start a war, man. I'm just letting y'all know right now, like. Uh, the one that really tends to get everyone is, would you, would you rather eat Olive Garden breadsticks or Red Lobster biscuits for the rest of your life? I, look, I know, I can see everybody like, oh, wow, hold on a second. Like, you know, and then the, the immediate question that follows is like, wait, do we get Alfredo sauce with the breadsticks? Like, how does that work? You know? And we instantly have a debate on the table, right? And so we play this game, would you rather? Uh, and so my question to you today is, would you rather... Uh, would you rather raise your family or would you rather invest in your family today or would you rather fix your family tomorrow? Let's say it again. Would you rather invest in your family today or would you rather fix your family tomorrow? And I think we would all say we'd rather invest in our family today, right? And so today we're talking about investing in our family and the family legacy of Legacy 2017. All right, guys, let's get straight into what we have today. Go and take out your notes. Hopefully you got those on the way in the door. Uh, we'll jump straight over to my definition of legacy. Like we, what word, you know, this is Brad Livingston's version uh, of the definition of legacy. Legacy is what people remember once you're gone. So what people remember once you're gone. People are going to remember you no matter what. What are they going to remember you for? Now, I'm a firm believer that what they're going to remember us for, if they're going to remember us for anything, they should remember us for how our family was raised. Come on, somebody. Like, if they're going to remember us at all, I want people to remember, man, like he was a father. He was a husband. He loved his family. He did like better than my career, better than anything, like better than how I led this church, better than any of those things. More than all of that, I want him, I want to be recognized as someone who was a father and a husband that led his family closer to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Like, that's what I want more than anything else. Turn to your neighbor and say, we got to leave a legacy to our family. And so we want to jump straight into our theme verse today. Psalms 112, 5 and 6 says this, Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct his affairs with justice. <clears throat> Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. How many guys want to be remembered for something great? right? Our legacy. What is attached to our legacy? And so we want to look at five ways that we can invest Christ into our family. Turn to your neighbor and say, invest Christ. 
That's right. We're going to have some fun today. We're going to preach a little bit, teach a little bit. We are, where, where, my, where pastor comes from, they call it treaching. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to have some fun today. So let's get straight into it. Because um, what we want you to understand in regards to marriage, in regards to family, see, we tend to think that marriage or family, so whether it's our spouse or our children, we tend to equate all of those things to what is best for us, right? Like, man, God gave me this spouse and this spouse makes me complete and this spouse is this person for me. And, and I'm so glad he did that for me and all of these things for me and getting God gave me these children and they're great to have in my life but none of those things were built for your selfish purpose they were all built to accomplish something in you so that you could be everything that Jesus wanted you to be in life now we're going to preach a little this is like a Christianity 201 message so I'm going to need we're going to have some fun today if that's what you want to call it but how many guys want to know how we can get better with our family where we at right turn your neighbor and say we got to get better you're going to talk to your neighbor a little bit today, all right? So I'm just letting you know now. I hope you like them a lot, all right? Some of you like, man, I'm going to have to look to the other side from now on because this person over here, I'm just kidding. Don't look at them. So, but here's the deal, folks, is that we start to think that, uh, that our family was given to us for a social, economic, physical, that they're supposed to meet all of those things. Jesus put uh, the people in our life, our spouses, our children, all of the, they put all of those things in our life for one reason, and that was to help us become everything we need to become so that we can fulfill what God called us to fulfill. How many married folks know that your spouse gave you some patience along the way? Come on, somebody. Like, <laughs> don't look at them. Don't look at them. But I remember, I remember right after Jabo was born, uh, Pastor loves to go deer hunting. You got mostly, if you've been here, you already know that Pastor Dan, uh, he loves to go deer hunting. And so he'll go out there and he'll sit in a tree stand for nine hours and barely move. I'm like, man, I don't want to sit still for nine minutes and barely, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I got things I got to do today. Like, we need to go somewhere. <laughs> and so he'll sit there. And I remember I used to go hunting like 11, 12, 13, 14, like all, during all those years, I used to go hunting with him a lot. And then once I turned uh, 16, uh, really 15, I started working in retail and you work every Saturday. And I, I was always working when he was going. And about that time, I also like started to gather my personality and I can't sit still. Like, y'all know what I'm talking about? Like I got the it's OCD and ADHD and NBC, MTV, BET, the whole nine. I just got it all. Like, so I can't sit still. And, and so he, he'll go and sit still for nine hours. And I'm just like, all right, look, we got to, you know, like, I don't, I don't even like fishing. I like catching. So if you take me somewhere, we can drop it in, pull a fish out just constantly. I'm good for that. But this whole like throw it in the water and just... We got about five minutes, folks. So we wrapping this up, going to Steak and Shake or something, y'all. So, like, but I'm so I'm not a very patient person. But one thing I know is when I have my son. So I'm off on Mondays. Ministry we we work hard on Sundays. Monday is our day off, right? That's kind of our Sabbath, and so. We take Monday off. And so when Ashley had Jabin, my wife had Jabin, our son. And, and so when he was a baby, we just agreed that Monday was going to be my day with him. Also, I was with him all day. And it sounded really good on paper until that first Monday came around. And I was like, what are we going to do? You know, and he, he slept for like eight hours. And I was like, I need to, like, I felt like I need to go somewhere. Like, I need to do, so like, all, all that. And over time, right, over a very short amount of time, like, I started learning that God was developing something in me, even through my child, who was just months old at the time. And, how, and I want you guys to understand that everything that God has given you in regards to family is to help make you who you're supposed to be to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. 
And so I learned through my son, who was weeks and months old, about patience and how you need to slow life down. How many of y'all need to slow life down a little bit? Y'all just running. We are just going, going, going. And we need life to slow down a little bit. We need to put the brakes on a few things. And just, so I learned how to enjoy the moment, right? I wasn't always looking for the next best thing. How many of y'all are next best thing people? Like, oh, there's gotta be, there's gotta be something next. Like next best thing, there's a next best thing. Like I learned like slow down and enjoy the moment because you have it today, but you may not have it tomorrow. And all y'all that got grown kids know exactly what I'm talking about. Like they were 10 yesterday, now they're 36. You know what I mean? Someone's still got the same attitude, but no, I'm just gonna like, wait, like, man, what is going, why? Because time passes us by. And so we need to slow life down, but help us understand that everything that God has given us in regards to family is to make us who we're supposed to be so that we can fulfill the greater purpose that God has for us on this earth, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I got purpose. So how do we do that? Five things. Number one, that we are supposed to and instilling Christ in our family, we're supposed to, I need to teach my family. I need to teach my family. So it is up to us to teach our families and to disciple our families and to lead them closer to Christ and to show them what they're supposed to be. And so it's up to us to teach our family because Christ was a teacher. So to be like Christ means to teach like Christ. So we're supposed to be a teacher and we need to teach our families. We need to disciple our families. I want to give you guys some, t- some statistics um, from 2016 was the last time they did this poll. Fa- uh, family faith activities, all right? So the first one is that in 2016, 36.5% of Americans uh, would read their Bible once a week. In 2016, 36.5% of Americans read their Bible once a week. Millennials, it was at 24%. 24% of those said they did that. Now, millennials, uh, millennials parent approximately 82% of school-age children. So out of all the children that are in school, millennials parent 82% of them. Uh, and so understanding that 24% of millennials read their Bible once a week, that means that out of that 24%, 82% of those are, regist- are teaching school-aged children and are parenting school-aged children. So if, the par- if only 24% of the parents are reading the Bible for themselves, how many are reading the Bible for their children? Y'all picking up what I'm throwing down? Okay, good. 27% of those millennials admit that their weekly Bible activity only comes from church. In other words, they don't read the Bible when they're not at church. This is the only place they get family faith stuff. Parents, this one, this one is scary. Parents spend on average 23 minutes a week reading to and with their children. Not the Bible, just reading, period. We wanna know why our kids have like social anxiety because they don't ever talk anymore because parents are too busy looking at their cell phone screen, not interacting with their children. But whatever. So, um, so, and then this one is the token. This is what gets us to where we wanted to be. Less than 1% of the children in America are assumed to be taking part in family faith activities. Less than 1% of the children in America are assumed to be taking part in family faith activities. Now, how many of us adults or parents have looked around at some of the kids these days and been like, these kids need Jesus? Right? Where we are, like, these kids need some Jesus. There was, a, there was a kid in a restaurant yesterday. I was like, this kid needs Jesus. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, 
someone get a hold of that child. So, like, these kids need Jesus, man. But we always talk about how the kid, like, wh- wh- where do we think that's going to come from? Like, where do we think that these kids, because here's the problem. A lot of people think that, oh, what I'm going to do is take my kid to church. And through the church and through the kids ministry and through the student ministry, they're going to become great Christians. Can I tell you something? If you think that dropping your child off for one hour a week is going to instill Christ into them, you are wrong. It is not our job to make sure that your children end up becoming Christians. It's yours. Okay. Now I know like, I I didn't think we were going to get a ton of amens on this, but here's the thing. We want our children to be better, but we don't want to raise our children better. How does that work? And I see, man, I see so many parents, like I I see some of y'all, I'm going to be like, shoot from the hip with you. I see some of y'all, hey, like you tell your kids, don't do that 10 times. Let me tell you something. In the Livingston household, you got about two, maybe three tops. Then you was walking around like this. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, man, we need to, (laughs) we need to discipline our children. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand some kids have chemical imbalances. We have a whole ministry for kids with special needs. And in those arenas, I understand that can be very different of a scenario. The problem is we're treating every child like we can't discipline them. And we want to wonder why they end up crazy when they get older. Man, all right, let's, okay. That's how it's going to go? Okay. Let me tell you something. We, we did, we covered, this past first Wednesday, first Wednesday of this uh, month for December, we brought all the kids in the sanctuary and like we ruffled some feathers, man. Some of the parents were like, oh, can't believe you didn't have children ministry for my child. You're right. We didn't. We didn't realize it was that big a deal to have your child next to you while you worshiped. Okay. Like, because I mean, I want to, I want to make this statement. Christ centered families don't happen on accident. You don't wake up one day and all your kids are following the Lord and go, huh, ain't this the craziest thing? (laughs) Like that doesn't happen. If you want a Christ-centered family, you want children that follow the Lord, teach them how to follow the Lord. You want children that pray, show them how to pray. You want children that worship, show them how to worship. You want children that love the word of God, read to them the word of God. And when they get older, read with them the word of God. Like bring them into the camp, man. Make this part of something. The church is to be supplemental to what you do at home, not the substitute for what you do at home. All right. Number two is that we need to shepherd my family. I need to shepherd my family. And there's, there's so many contexts by which we can understand what we're trying to talk about here. So I, as a husband, need to shepherd my wife and my child, right? I understand that in many cases, the husband doesn't exist. Then that responsibility falls to the next person to shepherd, right? The, the children, the mother, like there needs to be shepherding or, or another word would be pastoring. Like for a lot of you, you think that pastoring is to get up here and preach to you. That is not the responsibility of the pastor. The pastor is to lead you, all right? To lead you closer to Christ through instruction and through the Bible. Like, that is our job 
It's to lead and it's to gather, right? And it's to instruct. And your job with your family, parents, is to lead and guide and instruct your family on where they should go. The problem is many adults are too busy acting like children that we can't get the children right because the parents aren't right. So we need to shepherd our families. Listen, you want to know why Johnny talks back to you? Because of the way you talk to your spouse. Listen, in my house, now Jabin has special needs, and, and so we're not, you know, we talk about it often, actually. Like, how many things is he aware of, what's going on? He's very aware of things that are going on. We know that he is. Let me tell you something. Jabin would never, ever, ever, turn to your neighbor and say never. Jabin would never hear me disrespect my wife. Never. Husbands, your wife is your queen, and you better love her as that. Your son better know how to treat his wife because of how you treat yours. Your daughter should know how to be treated because of how you treat your wife. Ladies, accept nothing less than queen treatment. Don't let some scrub up in that house treating you like whatever in front of your children. And I get, like, some of y'all have broken homes and all that. That's fine. If the, if the father of your child is in the picture, you need, to, you need to fix who you let come into your life. Otherwise, your children are going to end up in the same position you're in. Okay. So, but we need to instruct our families on what it looks like to have God in our homes. And I know this is like, I told you, this is Christianity 201. This ain't like the, uh, like fluffy. No, this like, we're going to get down to some business here. Because if we're going to have the best life in 2018 we've ever had, we've got to start raising our families and our homes differently than we ever have. Psalms 23. Let's get into what it says there. It says that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Some of the translations say, I want for nothing. And so the thing is, is that when the Lord is my shepherd, I, should want, I shouldn't want anything else. Like, I don't want for anything. God is my shepherd. He is my pastor. He is my leader. He is the guidance. He is the lead. So I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. How many guys know you can lie down or you can be made to lie down, right? You know, like either you can lie down or the Lord can make life so chaotic that you're going to have to lie down. He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. And, and, and when he talks about leading beside quiet waters, what, what the shepherd would do is they would come up on water, right? A river. And so the river is flowing rapidly and the water is moving quickly. And so what he would do is the shepherd would take rocks and he would build out a dam into the water, a barricade into the water. So that as the water was flowing by fast, that on the other side of the barricade, there would be still water. There would be peaceful water and it would be quiet. And that you could sit down or that the animals could come and they could drink from the peaceful water regardless of the chaos that was going around the barricade. And somebody is going to have to step into the family and they're gonna to have to become the barricade in the midst of chaos to create peace for the family. So you're talking about stepping in and you're talking about leading the family. You're talking about stepping in, creating peace in the family that you have to step in as a shepherd. And when family is chaos, how many guys know life gets crazy sometimes, right? Like life gets nuts. Listen, the raging waters are life. And as life happens and it happens quickly and things that you didn't expect keep flowing by, somebody has to step in and they have to create a barricade in the chaos 
and guard that family so that there is some still water that surrounds the family. And they have to step in and say, I know we all had these things planned, but Friday we're canceling all of that and all of us are coming together. Yeah, but I really wanted to. That's fine. We need to create some peace and some still waters today so that you have a chance to partake of the peace and the still waters that can only come from God. We need to create moments of stillness in the midst of chaos. Because how many guys know you don't have to go out and find trouble? It just manages to pop up sometimes. You know, it's like, oh, hey, look, this thing that I didn't see coming. Life does that. We have to become proactive about creating moments of stillness in the midst of chaos and rapid waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Listen, some of us need to be leading our families on right paths for God's name's sake. Like we need to be instructing our children on how they should go. Let's keep going. He says that even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations say the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Some of y'all need to break out the rod and the staff. Y'all know what I'm talking With these kids. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, spare the rod, spare the child. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, so the rod and the staff, right? So what did you, have you guys ever seen a, the, the shepherd's rod? So it was a straight stick and it had a hook on it. And you know what that hook was for? When that sheep got a little too far, you get that out by the neck of that thing and yank that bad boy back. And that's definitely a metaphor for your children. All right, don't be, some of you are going to walk in with staffs next week. Like, Pastor, my child ain't acted crazy not one time this week. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, I've been yanking him back. But it's a, it's a metaphor. As, as the sheep would start to get too far away, that the shepherd would have something to pull them back in. And, and some of us need to recognize that our children are going to be in this constant state of trying to drift too far. And that you as a shepherd in your family need to be constantly ready to bring them back in. Bring them back in. I'm not going to talk about violently or forcefully. Sometimes that's what it takes. Some of these kids are crazy. <laughs> but that you need, one side is to bring them back in. The other side is to bump them along the way. Right? So some kids get too far, but some kids want to move too slow. I don't want to go to church today. Boom. We're going anyways. Put your shoes on. Right? I look like a hot mess. I woke you up an hour ago. Not my problem. Let's go. Like, I, I don't get it. In the Livingston household, we didn't have options. This whole thing where like the six-year-old determines where we go to church now, I don't get that. I don't understand it. Like the whole family changing their game, spiritual game plan because the six-year-old wants crackers instead of cookies and that church has them. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Listen, parents, we need to guide our children a little bit better and keep them away from the things that they're trying to get into we know they shouldn't be in. Right? We need to... Shepherd our parents. <clears throat> I mean, shepherd our children. Parents. Some of these children are shepherding their parents. Anyway, that's not the point. That was a, that was a good accident. So, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then this last part <clears throat> says that surely your goodness and love will follow me 
all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But we have to be ready to drink from still waters. We have to be ready to lie down in green pastures. We have to be ready to have the rod and the staff discipline us if we want to live, uh, if we want love to follow us and goodness to follow us all the days of my life. If we want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, we need to follow through with everything else that the shepherd requires to get us where we're trying to go. See, we, we want to end up where God wants us to be on accident. But if most of you parents, you already know, if you've lived long enough, you, don't get, you hardly get anywhere on accident that you want to be, right? You might end up in the, lost in a desert, but we, man, we need to be ready to go. Number, the next one, number three, is that we need to introduce peace to my family. I need to introduce peace to my family. I need to introduce peace into my family. We, we, we need to, our families need to pray together. I remember when Jamin first got sick. For those of you that are new, my son, he's sick. Um, and it's a, a long-term disease. And so it's been a constant, uh, it's been a thing we've been working on and a road we've been walking on for a long time. I remember when he first got sick, though, one of the things is we would get a bad phone call or something would happen. And how many guys know that sometimes in life, um, because like, for example, because of Jabin's scenario, because of the sickness, everything could be fine in the house. And in one moment, everything goes like haywire. Like, and, and honestly, like for him, it's seizure. So he could have one seizure and this instant cloud of oppression sets in on the house. And then like this frantic anxiety sets in and, and then everything becomes crazy. And maybe you don't have a kid with special needs, but maybe there's something that, man, you could be fine. And then one thing happens and instant anxiety sets in on your home and it's chaotic and, and it becomes dark, right? And it's almost like this cloud and, and somebody, somebody needs to step in and bring peace into that realm so that they can pray against whatever is happening in that house. In that particular case, I would grab my wife and we would go straight to Jabin's bed and I would just tell her, baby, we're just going to pray right now. Why? Because it's time that somebody brings peace into this house in the midst of chaos. Men, it's your responsibility to lead your wife and your children in the way that brings peace into that house so that God can become a stable environment constantly regardless of what's going on. But if the man's not there, someone's got to do it. Parents, you hear what I'm telling you? You need to be praying and you need to be leading your families into a place of peace constantly so that we can lead our families better. Mark 4, 38 through 40. It says, Jesus is in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Now, first of all, I like to think that Jesus was a little agitated right here. You know what I'm saying? Like he was sleeping on a cushion, you know, in the bottom of the boat. And they're like, Hey, we're going to die. And so he gets up and I like to think he was like, quiet, be still. And then he went back to sleep. That's how you can read your Bible however you want. That's how I read mine. But the part that I want you to see is this right here, because I think this is a, this is how we need to see life. That is, Jesus is in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? What happened is that a storm had rolled up on them. And, and even though the disciples were freaking out, like they were, they were stressing out, they thought they were going to die for real. They thought they were going to die. And even in the midst of all of that chaos, Jesus was sleeping in the storm that the disciples thought were going to destroy them. In your life, Jesus can sleep through the things 
that you think is gonna destroy you. Like you're sitting here freaking out. How oh my gosh, how is this? I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how, I don't know how we're going to, how are we gonna do this? How is this? I don't know. I don't know. Man, this is gonna destroy us. I could take it could take us over. We could sink. Our life could go down. Everything could be da-da-da. and Jesus is just like, why are you freaking out? And so he says, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And then it goes on to say that he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? In other words, like, why, why are you still stressing out? Folks, TC, listen, guys, how many times has God come through for you when you didn't think it could happen? Like, how many times have you gotten to the end of your rope? You felt like there was no hope. You felt like God, there's no possible way God could do, he could change this. He can't shift this. He can't do, we're, we're just going to go down. I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to, I just got a pink slip and I can't afford this. Or maybe the house, we just got a letter and they're going to take our house. Or maybe I just got a letter from a doctor or a phone call from a doctor in this disease. And, and so now we become stressed out over the thing that we can't control, not realizing that God is sitting there. Jesus is sitting there saying, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Are you forgetting every other time I made a way where there seemed like there was no way? Why do you think that this time's going to be any different? Because I always come through. Now, I don't always look the way we want it to look, but Jesus is faithful to come through. Why? Because he's constantly bringing peace into our storms. Number four, we need to lead my family. We need to lead my family. I need to lead them. What does that look like? I need to lead them. I need to show them the way. I need to walk them on this path. So we need to lead them. Matthew 14, 25 through 27. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. So I want to kind of set the stage for this just a second. So Jesus goes up on a mountain and he sends the disciples out on the lake. And as he sends the disciples out on the lake, later, towards dawn, late into the evening, the storm starts to overtake their boat. So as the storm starts to overtake the boat, Jesus sets out and he comes out to them walking on the water and they were terrified, right? It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now they had been hanging out with him a lot. Like if my mom came walking to me, I wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. Because I know what she looks like. And here's the thing we have to understand. How many of us are really bad exaggerators? Where you at? Like, like, I mean, like, oh man, I stubbed my toe. It's broken in 36 places. We're going to have to cast for three years. Then we're going to have to go. It's like, well, or it might be bruised, right? Like some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, and so they're, they're like, it's a ghost. It's like, no, it's Jesus. Calm down. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And what I want you to see here, because there's, there's these last two kind of go hand in hand, is that we have to lead our family. And so Jesus sends them out on the water. And so they go out on the water. But as Jesus sends them into troubled water, he also leads them by showing up when everything seems crazy and when the storm gets big. And when storm gets big in your life and things start to go crazy and you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know how you're going to get out of it, you have to understand who's still leading, but you also have to understand who's going to take the lead. In other words, 
words, regardless of what's happening, someone in that family has to step up and say, no, 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 we need to bring this down. I know it's crazy, but we gotta call. We need to start seeking after Jesus. Someone has to speak wisdom in the midst of chaos to say, I know it's crazy around here, but God is gonna take care of this. Someone has to lead your family. And the number five, lastly, is that someone has to sacrifice. I need to sacrifice for my family. I need to sacrifice for my family. And so we go in and as we talk about this, we're going back to, uh, we're going back to Matthew 14. And so uh, as we jump back into it, this is what happens. Peter looks at him and he says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out. And he said, Lord, sorry, it's coming. He says, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And here's the way I like to think of this story kind of going down, right? I like to think like, Peter, Peter was loud and obnoxious all the time anyways, right? So like he was kind of an honorary dude. So he's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat. And so Lord says, Jesus says, all right, come on. And I like to think that Peter had like a strut, you know? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like put one foot on the water, like, oh my gosh, this is working. And so he put another one on the water and he was like, oh. And then like, I like to think he was like, oh yeah. Looking back at all of them in the boat, like, see, y'all ain't got enough faith. You know, so he starts walking on the water, got a, got a little strut to us. And, and I like to think that's what happens in our lives when we start to go through storms and Jesus gives this the peace to walk through our storm, right? Is that through the first couple of days, right? Day one, day two, day three, we have the utmost confidence that God is gonna come through in our situations for us, right? And so we got this nice little strut to us like, oh yeah, this is going on, but I know God's got this, right? Come day four, we're like, I really hope God's got this. And then day five, we're like, God, where are you? And that's the same thing that happens to Peter. Like he's got that strut through the first few steps. Oh yeah, we walking on water now, you know? And then come that fourth step, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started paying attention to the storm. And he become more concerned about what could happen than what was happening. He became more concerned about how bad it could get than how great it was. And in life, man, we get so absorbed and so consumed with how bad things are around us that we forget that we have the opportunity to be walking through our, we can walk on top of our storms if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But the minute we start paying more attention to the problems around us than the person who could solve these problems around us, we lose track of what God wants to teach us in our life. And what we see here is that someone had to sacrifice. They had to get out of the boat. They had to show everyone else, man, that Jesus is more than enough. And in this particular case, you're gonna have to understand, you're gonna have to learn that Jesus is more than enough. Someone in your family is gonna have to take a step of faith and sacrifice what they have. Someone, you're gonna have to relearn what it looks like to follow you. We're gonna have to teach our family what it looks like to follow you, regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what's going on in your life. Doesn't matter. When we put our foot on the water, we have complete faith in Jesus and we show our children, we show our spouse, we show 
our family that I don't know how we're gonna get through this, but I'm gonna put some foot on the water so that I can see that Jesus is gonna help us rise above our problems. He's gonna help us rise above our situations. I don't know how I'm gonna get past this doctor's note. I don't know how I'm gonna get past this eviction. I don't know how I'm gonna get past losing this job, but I do know that the person whose eyes I'm staying fixed on is the person that controls the waves and he controls the storms and he's gonna walk me through this. And we know that Jesus is more than enough, but someone has to take the first step. Someone has to sacrifice. Listen, you're so concerned about your your career. You're so concerned about your education. You're so concerned about all these things and you are losing your family. We need to stop being so concerned about all the things that Jesus did not call us to, that we are losing track of the one thing he said we are responsible for. Jesus, never in, his, and never in the Bible did Jesus say, hey, you need to go out and make sure that you get that master's degree and your whatever. He did say you need to raise your children in the house of the Lord. He did say you need to raise your children to follow Christ. He did say that you need to honor your spouse. He did give us specific instructions on what the husband looks like and what the wife looks like, how they relate to the children. He gave us all instructions. Why? Because the home is the example of what the church is supposed to be to the world. He chose the home to be the example of what the church is supposed to be to the world. And we need to lead our home as Christ at the top of it. Parents, you need to lead your children in the ways that reflects Christ and leads them to Christ. You need to invest in your families what it looks like to have Jesus at the center of everything that you do. Your family needs to pray together. Your family needs to read together. Your family needs to worship together. They need to know that they learn how to worship from their parents. Your children do, not from someone else at their church. They need to be invested in. Why? Because if we're gonna raise a generation that's gonna help lead other people to the Lord, we need to know that we've led them well. Come on, somebody. I said, we need to know that we've led them well. And so we want to lead our families in a way that reflects Jesus. Why? Because we have a legacy to leave. And in that legacy, we have to see Christ reflected in our families. Let's lead them better. Amen. It's like, let's lead them better. Amen. Let's bow our heads today. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, as we get ready to move through this legacy series. God, I pray that we are able to take a stop today. We hit the pause button today and see that we desperately need Jesus to transform our hearts and our lives. The Jesus at the center, God transforms our family. And so God, I just pray right now that for every person in this place, God, Lord, that you would help guide us, you would help strengthen us and you would help show us how to lead our families better. God that children that follow Jesus don't happen on accident. God, we have to raise that. And so Lord, we just pray right now for every parent, God, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them guidance, that you would show them the next step on how they're supposed to raise their children, God, and that you would show them how to guide them back to the Lord. Lord, in all those things, God, I pray that you restore healthy marriages, God, that you restore healthy relationships, that you instill healthy Christ-centered children, God, and that our families can lead together well. So God, we just pray that you do that in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and eyes closed, across this place today. Maybe you're sitting in here and 
You're saying, you know, pastor, I, I, I do want to lead my family better. Maybe I don't have a family yet, but when the day comes that I have one, I want to lead them. I want to guide them towards Christ. But before I can guide them towards Christ, I have to make sure that my life is following after Jesus Christ. And, and here's the beauty. The beauty of the gospel is this, is that while we were sinners, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And what that means is that when we couldn't afford our sin, because all of us have sin in our life, I do, you do, sin exists, but yet even in that sin, Jesus looked at it and said, if that sin is gonna separate that person from God, I'm gonna die on the cross. I'm gonna pay the price for that sin so that they don't have to pay for it. And so he went to the cross and when he died, he paid the price for us. And so he can take away our sin. And the Bible says that we come and we repent to turn, we turn away from all the things that aren't of Christ in our life. And then we put our faith in Jesus. And here's what you have to do today. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to commit any acts. Here's what you do have to do today to be saved. That's put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you want today, you say, Pastor Brown, that's exactly where I'm at. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to follow after him. If that is you and you want to follow after Jesus, you want him to take control of your life. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. I want to pray for you today. And so uh, if you will, again, I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. You say, I want Jesus in my life, pastor. Would you just raise your hand right now? I want Jesus in my life. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to point you out. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. We're not here to embarrass you today. We want to pray for you. I want, I want Jesus in my life, pastor. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, we, I want Jesus in my life, Pastor. I need him to take control. I can't do this on my own anymore, but I want God to be the revelator and the transformer of my life. And so if you want that right now, any, anyone else, I want Jesus to take control. I want Jesus to take control. Here's what we're going to do. We want to pray a prayer. And if you're watching us on live stream, you can pray this prayer with us. This prayer doesn't make you saved. Putting your faith in Jesus that when he died on the cross and that you're surrendering to him, that's what makes you saved. But let's make a public proclamation out of our mouth and confess that we're going to give our lives to Jesus. And the whole church is going to pray with you so you're not praying it by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose three days later. Through your life, through your death, and through your resurrection, I can be saved. I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that, perhaps for the very first time. Man, we celebrate with you.